Arizona Governor Katie Hobbs is cool with porn being filmed in vacant classrooms. New York City Mayor Eric Adams is playing real estate agent for illegals. And human witches are eating animal carcasses in the woods. What a week, what losers. The show starts now. So it's that time again, time to crown my losers of the week. And as always, this was a tough decision. But let's talk about schools, shall we? We know Democrats take their cues from the almighty teachers' unions, but apparently Arizona's leading Democrat and Governor Katie Hobbs also takes the porn industry into consideration, given she just vetoed a bill that would have banned pornography filmmaking in taxpayer-funded buildings, including K-12 classrooms in public schools. I guess Katie Hobbs has her own interpretation of school choice, and it's a hell of a lot different than mine. To give a little more of the backstory here, two Mojave County teachers were fired after they filmed pornographic material in one of their very own classrooms and then proceeded to post it online for the whole world to see. This led to a bill introduced by State Senator Jake Hoffman that would have prevented this kind of thing from happening in the future, making it a Class 5 felony. But Katie Hobbs, yeah, she vetoed it. On what grounds, I'm not sure, but she's a loser, and this is just another example of why. But she's not the only Democrat leader with poor decision-making and priorities. Up next is Mayor Eric Adams, who runs the proud sanctuary city of New York City straight into the ground. As we know, he's all flustered by the busloads of illegals his city has been receiving over the last several months, a small amount in comparison to what the overrun border cities and states have had to put up with. But nevertheless, he is scrambling to figure out what to do with all these illegals. Apparently, the upscale hotel rooms taxpayers have been footing the bill for are getting pretty pricey, especially after these illegals trash them. So Mayor Adams has come up with a new plan. Set them up in some spare bedrooms of his constituents. Voluntarily, of course. Oh boy, what could go wrong? You know, I'm sure these illegals wouldn't set up sex and drug dens in people's homes. They only do that kind of thing in hotels, I'm sure. But you know what? I don't hate this idea, and I can think of a few ladies who likely have some spare room in their lavish dwellings. Sounds like an inspired idea to me, so enjoy, Joy. But speaking of witches, my last losers of the week, well, they're also really something. Feast your eyes on that, folks. And no, that is not a behind-the-scenes shot of craft services over at The View. Rather, those are two witches caught on security camera footage in British Columbia, apparently munching on a deer carcass in someone's backyard area. Now listen, I do not know, nor do I proclaim to know, the political affiliation of said witches, but I will say this, I would bet my ass they are not conservatives. I'm just going to leave you guys to marinate on that one. Still ahead, a majority of U.S. adults have refused to get any more COVID booster shots, which leads me to wonder, are folks finally starting to realize the jig is up? Well, I've got Dr. Peter McCullough on deck with what you need to know. Next. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back and their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. 
And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless from researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience. Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. Tommy Lahren is Fearless is powered by 4Patriots. Head to 4Patriots.com and use code Tommy, T-O-M-I, for 10% off your next purchase. When she was like, are you, are you going to let them have professional um, uh, football? And I was really like, nope. And she's like, okay, neither are we, neither are we. Uh, so, um, so uh, you know, it was like conversations like that. Oh, that was Biden's pick for new CDC director Mandy Cohen reminiscing about COVID restrictions, job crushing, economy killing, mental health damaging, and useless COVID restrictions. She apparently got a real kick out of it, but she's not the only one. All these COVID tyrants from Fauci to blue state tyrant governors and mayors to mass happy flight attendants, they all got some kind of a sick kick out of ruining lives and businesses for years with their mandates. But you know what, as painful as it is to look back on that horrible, stupid, idiotic time in our nation's history, we have to. Why? Because if we give them COVID amnesty, so to speak, they have no reason not to do it again. Next time, maybe it'll be a climate emergency or an LGBTQ emergency. Who knows? But let's not find out. And what about their beloved vaccines? Well, it turns out as, as of last month, only one in five U.S. adults had gotten their boosters. That's only about 20%, but given everything we know now about these shots, should that 20% be afraid of glowing in the dark here sometime soon? Joining me now with the facts is cardiologist, epidemiologist, and author of Courage to Face COVID-19, Dr. Peter McCullough. Dr. McCullough, you know, we haven't had enough discussion about COVID in the last several months, and I think that's because there's a certain cohort of people that really want that whole time to just go away, but we're not going to let them do it. It's true. We have to hold people accountable. If we don't learn uh, the mistakes of pandemic response, it's just going to be a, you know, another disaster in the future. So I want to talk about the vaccine because, again, that's something that the left was so excited to talk about last year. We know last winter he declared, our president declared it uh, a deadly winter for those who chose not to get vaccinated. But now I don't really hear them talking so much about the COVID shots and the boosters. It seems like that's kind of gone away a little bit. But my concern is for a lot of Americans that either voluntarily or were all but forced to get the vaccine to keep their employment or what have you, I'm afraid for what they may be experiencing. So I want to get into this. We've had a little bit of transparency now about some of the side effects of this vaccine. But what have you noticed? What are you seeing? And what does the public need to know about maybe the long-term implications of that experimental mRNA vaccine? I was concerned uh, by a report by Lee and colleagues, huge study, hundreds of thousands of people who took the shot in 2021 compared to those who didn't. And two years later, there was an increased risk of micro blood clots seen in the retinal arteries and retinal veins, seen in the eyes, meaning the blood clots are systemically circulating. So this is worrisome. It means two shots back in 2021, uh, the blood is still hypercoagulable. People are still at risk for blood clots. In my clinical practice, I've seen record numbers of cases of myocarditis, stroke, 
blood clots and other immunologic problems. So people need to stay aware. They clearly need to stop taking any more shots. On December 7th, 2022, I called for on the floor of the U.S. Senate for all the vaccines to be pulled off the market. Since that time, the original Pfizer and Moderna and now Janssen vaccines are pulled off the market, but we still have Pfizer, Moderna, bivalent vaccines and the Novavax uh, you know, in the, on the market. Very few people are taking them, but the threat needs to be removed. All the mandates need to be dropped and, and people need to stay far away from these vaccines. So for those that have already gotten the vaccine, maybe have already gotten a couple of boosters, if they haven't experienced any noticeable side effects to this point, are they in the clear or could this possibly rear its head on down the road and maybe the side effects are coming? It really depends on the batch of vaccine that they got. An important paper by Schmeling and colleagues published from Denmark identified three separate batch groups. The first batch, about a third of people, no side effects at all, zero. Looks like nothing happens. Uh, the second group, uh, which is uh, comprised about two thirds of people, there, there's some moderate side effects, but you know nothing serious. And then there's a final group of batches, about 4.2% of all doses, where the risk is through the roof. Uh, blood clots, heart damage, neurologic damage, immediate death. So it depends on the batch, and there are websites. Uh, you know, find you know, check my batch and and others to see uh, the lot numbers to see what the risks are. Uh, you know, we do think that people have extended risk over time if they've had the high risk, uh, you know, vials, and we don't know if it's hyperconcentrated messenger RNA or contamination for what's called cDNA plasmids or other contaminants. But it was a product problem. Senator Johnson sent a notice to the CDC well over a year ago saying we have a product problem with the lots and the, C the CDC essentially blew him off. Now we have the Schmeling data, which is compelling. There was a problem with the product production of the vaccines. So there's been a few headlines here and there about a very notable actor and musician, Jamie Foxx, who is still, to my knowledge, hospitalized, possibly even blind now. And we don't know what from, but there's been a lot of speculation that it was vaccine related, given that he maybe had to get this vaccine to work on the movie that he was shooting at the time. Uh, have you heard anything about this? And are, do his symptoms, his side effects, do those track with what we've seen from the vaccine side effects? I don't have any direct knowledge of what happened to Fox. Uh, I had a chance to talk to him, though, in 2021, and we took pictures and he asked some questions, a private conversation, but suffice it to say, you know, he understood the risks at that time. What Hollywood reporter A.J. Benz is saying is that uh, people close to him, that he was actually essentially forced to take the shot prior to his uh, shooting his most recent movie in Atlanta, and that he suffered a form of a stroke, either an ischemic stroke or a hemorrhagic stroke, and as a result, had significant neurologic injuries. Now, a few clips have emerged uh, where he is able to talk or put together some words, and his voice has clearly changed. Now, I can tell you, he's younger than I am. Uh, he's very fit and strong. Uh, you know, he's a wonderful talent, doesn't have much in the way of, of a family, uh, has a daughter. Now, I'm happy to go on with him or his family or his doctors and explain to America what happens. He, along with other public figures, have a responsibility to warn others. If they've been damaged by these vaccines, they need to warn others to stop this chain of continued vaccine injuries, disabilities, and deaths. 
I hope that we're getting to that point now because even six months to a year ago, most public figures and celebrities were cheerleading the vaccine, doing promos for the vaccine. And even if some had some reticence personally, they certainly didn't let that show. And if they did, they were ridiculed publicly for it. I remember specifically rapper Nicki Minaj talking about possible vaccine side effects, and she was absolutely dragged for that. So I hope we're reaching a time now where people can be a little bit more honest. Another kind of conspiracy theory I want to get your take on is there's been a lot of folks that have also been very concerned that are not vaccinated, never were vaccinated, but they are concerned about vaccine shedding. Is that a possibility with this type of an mRNA vaccine? Could those that are vaccinated possibly shed any type of anything on those of us who are unvaccinated and cause us any reason for concern? Shedding is possible with the lipid nanoparticles in the messenger RNA, for sure, in the first month after a vaccine. We've told people taking the vaccine, they shouldn't donate blood or have close contact with others. And I used to say 30 days. I've extended it out to 90 days. It's certainly possible. Virtually all of us have been exposed to the spike protein now. Uh, this, the, the seropositive data from multiple data sets show uh, we've all been exposed. And we're not worried about spike exposure, but 25% of Americans held strong. They didn't take the vaccine. They made the right choice. They don't want to get the vaccine passively from someone else. Uh, it's never been proven in scientific studies. Let's hope it's not happening. Yeah, I certainly hope so as well. I mean, if it already has happened, I mean, I think we're all, again, we've all been exposed to it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, last thing I want to ask you about, there have been some reports that have come up recently about the early days of COVID and perhaps not COVID itself killing people, but the fact that they were put on ventilators possibly being the reason that some of these people died. What can you tell us about that and what do you think went down there? Now, I've published extensively on early treatment of COVID, and we learned to use oxygen at home and tolerate the hypoxemia or low oxygen saturations at home, provided uh, mentation was fine and they had good uh, you know, care support at home. Uh, we didn't need to have people in the hospital or let alone go on mechanical ventilators. Now we learned in a study that many patients, in fact, got secondary pneumonias since the, uh, the ventilator doesn't allow normal uh, clearance of secretion. So Ventilation in COVID has been a disaster. It should be avoided at all costs. We should have always treated patients at home early. Uh, the sequence multi-drugs, we use about four to six drugs. The monoclonal antibodies were wonderful. Everybody should have had a shot at those in the ER before they were hospitalized. It was a tragedy that only those denied early treatment ended up in the hospital or died. Right. Uh, what a stupid time in American history. I hope that we all learned our lesson. May we never be as stupid as a collective to ever allow them to do this to us again. I mean, it's going to be really irreparable for generations of Americans who had learning loss, mental health struggles, that their businesses closed. And that's not even taking into consideration the vaccine and those side effects. Doctor, thank you for always being so honest and forthright with everybody about what you know. You've been a guiding light in this for so many. We know that the COVID era might be over, but there's still a lot to worry about. So we certainly appreciate you always being transparent with us. Thank you for having me. Up next, switching gears to a lighter, more heartwarming topic, rescue dogs. Don't miss it.
rescue dog revenge tour you just saw was made possible by my next guest, Duke Hemstreet and Stephanie Rowe, founders of The Powerful Rescue. They've made it their mission to rescue the most in need and formerly unwanted dogs and give them, give them the life they and all dogs truly deserve. And they join me now. Duke, Stephanie, it's so great to have you guys. Hey, thanks so much for having us on. It's a pleasure. And we'd like to apologize in advance, just in case you guys hear dogs in the background. Oh, we love it. That's perfect noise <laughs> distraction. And I got to tell you, uh, it was hard for me to get through that intro because every time I see that video, it chokes me up in, in honestly the best way because it's so beautiful. I follow you guys on Instagram. I see what you guys do on a daily basis. It's so inspiring. In a time in this country when we are so divided, when there are so many things going wrong, seeing what the two of you do is absolutely inspirational. And I see it in the comments. You know, I see such diversity in your comments. So many people from all walks of life, all political affiliations, all colors, all genders coming together because of what you guys are doing for dogs. So you got to tell me how this rescue started and what you guys do on a daily basis to protect and give these dogs the lives they deserve. <laughs> I'll let Steph take how we started. So it, it actually started very organically. It was just picking up strays. Um, I would leave to go to work in the morning and I would have to call my boss and say, Hey, sorry, I'm running a little bit behind. I found another dog. And after a year of doing that, and I think we took on like 30 dogs that first year and we would take care of their medical and, you know, get them scanned to make sure they didn't have a chip and try to find their owners. And then if we couldn't find their owners, we would rehome them. And after a year of doing that, and tens of thousands of dollars yeah, later. We, we looked at our finances. <laughs> out of like, pocket. You should probably file for a nonprofit license. So we filed for a 501c3 and we became a nonprofit dog rescue. And I guess an animal rescue now, since we have a pig. We have a pig. <laughs> we have a few cats. Yeah. Uh, yeah. As far as the daily routine, you know, we do our best to be as transparent as we can. Um, you know, I, I think something a little different that we do that not all nonprofits do, we foster damn near all of our own dogs. I think we have three or four active fosters. So we could have 20 to 30 dogs at a time in our house. Um, right now, I think we have 22. Um, so the morning starts off around 4am. We're up, we're helping with the special needs dogs because some of them need help going to the bathroom, getting dogs outside, rotating in kennels. And that really doesn't stop until probably 10, 30, 11. So it's, yeah. it's a constant go, it's go, a, go a here busy for day. sure. I can't, I cannot imagine. I have two dogs and they are plenty of work. But the dogs I've that seen you them rescue, too. They're adorable. <laughs> thank you. The dogs that you guys rescue, you know, there are a lot of rescues out there doing wonderful work. But what I've noticed from your rescue is that you guys really take in the dogs that need the most help. I mean, the dogs that most people, even animal lovers, would give up on because they're in really bad shape. They have been abused. They have been neglected. They've been left for dead. They are senior dogs that people have just dumped off when they are no longer useful to their owners. I mean, it's truly heartbreaking. And then with this economy now, I'm wondering, have you guys seen an uptick? I know that shelters across the nation are absolutely jam-packed and full. Have you noticed a difference in what you've seen in the last couple of years as far as the number of rescues and need for rescue, especially in your area all across the country as well? Yeah, I mean, personally, it's the worst I've ever seen. Yeah, um, hands down. I think a lot of people during the pandemic, they were home and adopted and when things started to open back up and schedules changed and people had to go back into the office, they started dropping a lot of dogs off at the shelter. And, you know, from a financial standpoint, I think a lot of people are hurting right now and can't afford basic medical. So yeah. they drop a dog off. Uh, same thing with senior dogs that we've taken on 
you know, 17, 18, 19, 20 year old dogs that are just being dropped off because they are senior and they need a little extra help. So we, de we definitely have seen a, um, an increase in the animals that are dropped off, you know, any shelter out here in Texas, um, Dallas, San Antonio, they are euthanizing close to 300 dogs per month. Wow. And that's just, oh. and that's just math. You know, yeah. they have X amount of kennels and X amount of dogs that are coming in. Yeah, I was gonna say intake for San Antonio just last month, they had 1100 dogs come in. Uh, and I think they only had 255 adopted out by the public and then five or 600 were pulled by rescues. So I mean, when these shelters fill up, there's really there's no space, there's nowhere to go. Um, so it's unfortunate. And you know, we don't blame the shelters, there's certain things that could definitely be done better. But as a whole, the people there and the people that volunteer there, it's an incredibly difficult place to volunteer. So we have a lot of respect for people that go do that. Oh, absolutely. Um, there are great but, shelters yeah. across the country, and then there's some not so great ones. Uh, earlier, a few months back, I did some reports on some LA era, area animal shelters that were leaving these animals in the kennel for months at a time, not cleaning up after them, deeming them to be aggressive just so that they didn't have to walk them. I mean, really, right. really disgusting stuff. I'm sure you guys have heard stories like that from across the country. But I want to go to your operation because I think there are so many Americans out there that say, you know, if I ever just won the lottery, I would set up an animal sanctuary for all yeah. these animals. But it's got to be, even though you are a nonprofit, do you it. do receive <laughs> donations. How do you guys fund this? Because it's got to be incredibly expensive, not just to house all these dogs, but to pay for their medical and their special needs. Yeah, I mean, I'm trying to remember this was back in 2021. We last had the numbers. What was it that we raised and spent on medical? Oh, so I mean, we just did um, our our taxes for the year, but it was we raised a little over 300,000, but we spent um, I think it was 220 on medical. The rest was on supplies. So Duke and I don't take a salary from the rescue. Um, everything is done through Instagram, Facebook, our website. Uh, there's also a platform called Cuddly, where it's yeah, basically a GoFundMe for dogs that uh, need a little more medical attention. And it's all donation-based. So everything that we bring in is for medical and supplies for the dogs and anything that, you know, they need to live comfortably here in our house. Yeah. Just improving their quality of life, making sure they're getting out. We have some treadmills for the Malinois we've taken in because we're seeing an uptick in those dogs going to the shelter. Um, and that is a absolutely wonderful, but psychotic breed. <laughs> I think, I think, you know, Duke and myself, we're, we're pretty business savvy. Uh, that's what our background is. So we like to treat the rescue like a business and market it like a business. So uh, I think something that we do that's very different from other rescues is we show our face. We're constantly on social media. We bring yeah. people into our home. We, we, you know, showcase from beginning, you know, the hard stuff, the good stuff when the dog gets adopted or if the dog gets to live out, you know, it stays here with us. So yeah. I think that's what makes us a little bit different than some rescues is we invite people to be a part of the entire journey. So they get to see it from, you know, start to finish. You yeah, you take in the kind of dogs we do. You have to you have to be really good at marketing for sure. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, that video that I played at the top there. How did you guys arrange that with the, the Texas Rangers there? Because that was truly beautiful. And I wish we could do that across the country. Let's get rescue dogs yeah. into every right. major league ballpark. I think the fans would love it. The people would love it. You know, MLB has got some real image cleaning up to do. And I suggest this. I think <laughs> nobody's going to protest a rescue dog night. But how did that come about? 
Well, I mean, that is 100% Jacqueline Gray. Um, John Gray's wife, she came across a post uh, kind of similar to you. It was Nova Gray who was set on fire in San Antonio. And it was the next day we had like 30 boxes, like a truckload of beds and supplies and toys. And she sent over a large donation and a nice message. Um, you know, we just kind of stayed in communication from there and she's been following along with what we do and she really believes in what we do. Um, yeah. you know, and I, even more than the opportunities she's given us, you know, there's such a, it, it's, it's so hard to get pit bulls, the airtime that they deserve and the positive news that they deserve. And she's been so good to every single dog in our rescue and advocating for the pit bulls we take in and seeing pit bulls get some mainstream kind of media attention has been really great. That's beautiful. So I know my audience, like me, we love rescues. We love what you guys are doing. In what way can my audience help you guys out to continue to be able to rescue these really uh, high-need dogs? How can we help? How can we help your operation? Spreading the word. I mean, you know, uh, going on our website, going on our social media and sharing. You know, if you can't donate right now, that's perfectly fine. Share. There's people out there that don't know what's going on. You know, you don't know what you don't know. So sometimes people come across our page and they're like, I don't, I would never drop off a senior dog at the shelter. I'm like, guys, it happens on a daily basis across the country. Yeah. If you just share a post, you never know who's watching. You never know who could step up to help. So if you're not in a position to donate or to foster right now, just share the post. You never know who's watching and, and, you know, getting the word out there and educating people is just such an important part of our our journey with with yeah. the rescue and we always tell people education is key we can get as frustrated as we want but you know people are going to do what they're going to do but the truly evil evil people that are really neglecting and abusing these dogs the people that set nova on fire and we've had worse too like that's a very small demographic i really do believe that i think there's a lot of dogs that end up in the shelter just from a lack of education uh you know steph started the rescue out in la and before she left, they were pushing the no kill LA kind of narrative. Um, and I mean, every rescue out there, a bunch of friends we have out there, we all saw it coming, but I mean, intake went through the roof because when you have a narrative or something being talked about where you're no kill, which I think it's, it's 80% is the guideline 90. Yeah. 90. Mm -hmm. Um, but that doesn't include any dogs with behavioral notes or medical notes. So you have information like that going out and unfortunately dogs suffer because of it. It makes it easier for owners to go turn in their dogs. Right. Well, no kill doesn't mean that it's a good environment. So that's important to that point well. out for yeah. people. Well, I just want you guys to know, I appreciate you. I will continue to follow and repost your content and social media. You guys do an excellent job there. I truly believe, and I've commented on your stuff before, even if it annoys people because they don't like my politics. I do believe you guys are doing the Lord's work. So thank you for all that you do. And we will continue to be big advocates for everything. And again, I just can't tell you how inspirational that you have been in a, a dark place in America right now. You guys are a bright shining spot. So I appreciate you. We appreciate that. Thank you so much for using your platform to, you know, share what we're doing and what other rescues are doing. It really means a lot to us. Yeah. You can be a little bit of a polarizing figure. We learned really quick. <laughs> we had a few DMs from one comment you left. I was like, oh, it's going to be like this. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, if we, if we can't come together and 
appreciate right. exactly. dog rescue. I mean, I don't care if you hate my politics, you hate who I'm going to vote for. But you know what? If I'm sitting there and I'm advocating to millions of followers about rescuing dogs, you think we could all right. come together in that. You're always going to have the haters, but I think by and large, we can all come together in a unified message on that. So I appreciate you guys, and uh, you're going to be on my show. So um, I apologize in advance for those whose feathers it might <laughs> ruffle, but it's going to be okay no. in the long run. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and like Steph said, we, uh, we appreciate you. Yeah. You know, and continue to comment on our stuff. If people <laughs> want to throw a fit, that's fine. Yeah. All right. Well, I appreciate you guys. God bless you. And best of luck with all those dogs. God bless. Thank Take care. You. Thank you, guys. All right. Coming up, Gavin Newsom is having an absolute meltdown over a small plane of illegals sent to Sacramento. My final thoughts are next. Sanctuary State Governor Gavin Newsom is having an absolute meltdown after Governor Ron DeSantis sent him a plane full of dreamers. And yeah, I've got some final thoughts powered by Four Patriots. California Governor Gavin Newsom is on one this week. I mean, he is really wigging out, so much so his slick back hair is almost coming out of place. Over 36, yes, 36 illegal immigrants being flown and dropped off in Sacramento last week. Gavin's Twitter fingers have been working overtime as he blows his top over this. And he is now vowing to launch an investigation into this travesty, claiming the state of Florida and those involved are guilty of criminal kidnapping. Here's a governor from the state of Florida that is using taxpayer money and he had to go to another state to find people under false pretense. I don't think this, I know this. I talked to the migrants, lied to them, took them into another state by bus, and then took them on a chartered flight to Sacramento, lying to them that they had help on the other side, knocked on the door, and they left these migrants right there on the steps. What kind of human being does that? Well, first of all, Gavi, these illegals were not lied to. They wanted to go to California to see you and your sanctuary state. Here they are signing the paperwork and expressing excitement at being in California. I mean, Gavin, I agree with you. Your state is a crap hole, so I also am perplexed as to why they want to go there. But nevertheless, just take it in, bask in it. After all, you are a proud sanctuary state, so the more the merrier, right? I'm very proud to be from California. I wouldn't rather be from any other place than the state of California. Proudly a sanctuary state, a state that has the backs of your families, the dreamers, and diverse communities. Gavin, your state is a sanctuary state. Florida is not. You co-sign illegal activity. Florida does not. You reap what you sow, and you sowed the seeds of endorsing and encouraging illegal immigration. So why should red states like Texas and Florida have to bear the burden? Governor DeSantis sent you an early Christmas gift. You really should be thanking him. Oh, and folks, by the way, there is again no doubt in my mind Gavin will run in 2024. He wants Ron to notice him so badly he's practically begging for his attention. But for now, he'll have to settle with Ron's little memento, a plane full of dreamers. So enjoy, Gavin. Those are my final thoughts, powered by 4Patriots, the best high-quality survival products on the market. Use code Tommy at checkout for 10% off. From Nashville, God bless. Take care.